Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Caroline. And I'm Kristen. We, Kristen and I, talked about femphobia not too long ago and it, it got a really strong response from people. Everybody had stories to share of how they had maybe felt like that in the past. They had, as women, they had bad relationships with other women or just hated the feminine things in life. Well, so this got the ball rolling on a slightly different topic, but but related. And that is women hating on women in general. But then that led to a whole other thing which is the queen bee syndrome, which we will explain, and it sounds ridiculous. But basically, it's this idea that women in positions of power are holding down women in subordinate positions because they're so afraid, they're so threatened by these young women who need help that they're just going to make your life a living hell. Now, the term queen bee syndrome uh, was coined in 1973 by a trio of researchers who were looking into the way some women interact, particularly in the workplace. And they came up with Queen Bee Syndrome to denote the alpha female who wants to preserve her power at all costs. Because if you think about the beehive, there can only be one queen. <laughs> That's right. There can only be one Highlander. Miss Highlander. Um... Yeah, I, this it also sort of encompasses this whole idea and attitude, particularly at the time that they coined this term, obviously, that maybe sort of across the board, all lady bosses were the B word, you know, not Queen B. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, that all of these women are just like clawing at each other to get to the top and trying to sabotage each other. I just feel like there's this pervasive idea, and it, I feel like there's even some residue of that. That still hangs on today. There is absolutely residue of that. I mean, because, yeah, it makes total sense for them to come up with this concept in 1973 when women were still, you know, just making those initial inroads in the workplace. But if we're talking about from a a top down perspective, uh, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but in terms of CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, what, like 25 of them are headed by women. And every time it happens, it's this huge deal. And every time you read, uh, you know, a profile about a powerful woman in business, it's like they're looking for Queen Bee Syndrome. Like Marissa Meyer, who was uh, recently named CEO of Yahoo, has been dissected in so many different ways because she is not, you know, publicly all lady, pro-lady fist bump, you know? Yeah. She doesn't want to talk about her pregnancy. She doesn't want to take a lot of maternity leave. She doesn't want to call herself a feminist. She just wants to fix Yahoo and make a bajillion dollars and live in her penthouse in San Francisco. That's right. Um, yeah, this whole idea is basically that, you know, female bosses could feel more threatened and less generous about sharing their positions of power as there are fewer opportunities for them. But... That, that's kind of dumb. Well, there ha- there are studies that have found that women working under women are more stressed out than men working under women. And there was a study that I found published in the British Journal of Social Psychology that I wanted to call out because this is something that we've talked about before on the podcast and something that comes up a lot when it comes to gender in the workplace. So it was published in September 2004, and it suggested that the gender gap in STEM 
fields, those science, tech, engineering, math, were attributed to Queen Bee Syndrome. And uh, the researchers write, individual upward mobility, i.e. a female faculty, implies distancing the self from the group stereotype, which not only involves perceiving the self as a non-prototypical group member, but may also elicit stereotypical views of other in-group members. In other words, if you are in a sea of men competing for a slot, you don't want to, you know, you want to get along with them. You don't want to seem biased towards women. And you might inadvertently uh, not help out other women in the process because it took so much elbowing to get there. Yeah. But another study shows that this whole Queen Bee thing is totally a myth. And that women are actually more likely to help out their their homies. Uh, this was a June 2012 study uh, by Catalyst. Uh, 65% of women, they found, who received career development support are now developing new talent compared to 56% of men. They also found that 73% of the women developing new talent are developing women specifically compared to 30% of men. And so Eileen Lang, who's the president and CEO of Catalyst, says the notion that women executives are queen bees who are unwilling to support other women needs to be put to rest. And I agree that the queen bee thing, if you apply it as an across-the-board women are terrible bosses thing, is ridiculous. Obviously it is. I will say that I have worked for a queen bee, though. Yeah, I've, I've maybe been stung by queen bees here and there. Um, but I think too though, like if we're talking about, and I've, I feel like I'm playing a little bit of devil's advocate for a second, but mm-hmm. bear with me. Um, now this study is not examining the quality of how a female executive gets along with her employees. Right. This is specifically about career development. And in reporting on this study, uh, the Washington Post pointed out that these were mid-level women that Catalyst followed uh, from 2008 to 2010. So as they were, you know, working upward in their career, whereas the most persistent Queen Bee syndrome that we hear about, at least according to other research, happens at the senior Level mm-hmm. where the women, it's really there where the women are, you know, they're the only females with a corner office. And maybe again, like the, it happens inadvertently where they have reached that position of power and probably coming up, you know, in, uh, times when, uh, it was more, it was harder for women to make inroads in the workplace. So I think that maybe it happens more, which is also why there's a notion that maybe Queen Bee Syndrome is less relevant to say you or I of a newer generation where I think it's pretty common career advice for women who want to advance to find a female mentor specifically. I've been told that before. Like you, you seek out the woman who will give you a hand up. Um, but for, uh, for older women, maybe the story is a little bit different. Maybe that's where the queen bee syndrome happens more. Right. Yeah. Could be. There's also the idea, you know, you mentioned like higher level versus mid level. There's, uh, also this idea of just women being in roles that maybe aren't traditionally for them being over women who are in more, you know, quote unquote traditionally female 
jobs. And so we found this study. It's from November 2011. Uh, jo- uh, Joan Williams, who's a law professor at University of California, was talking about this. She says uh, tension between female secretaries and female lawyers comes up because of this shift in dynamics. The study was of legal secretaries uh, who said that they preferred to work for men. They expressed gender bias in the study. And they point out that this could be because of the conflict where uh, the traditional female role of secretary versus the non-traditional role of lawyer kind of they there's just conflict there. Uh, she said that all professional women find themselves walking a tightrope between masculinity and femininity. And when people choose different approaches to how they walk the tightrope, that conflict often breaks out. Yeah. And there's also gendered interpretation of uh, uh, someone in power getting frustrated or expressing discontent. If you, and this is something too that I feel like the, the this episode about Queen Bee Syndrome ties together a lot of different mm-hmm. things that we've talked about before. Uh, and one of those things is that a, a powerful woman, or really a woman in general, mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace specifically expressing anger or discontent is labeled as, uh, what's another word for a female dog? Whereas, and, and, and it's also considered a sign of weakness. It's them showing emotion. Right. Whereas a guy doing the same thing, he's just being a, a mad guy. He might be kind of a jerk, mm-hmm. but there's still more respect for the jerk than for the emotional, you know what. That's right. So, you know, we, we've discussed like, uh, you know, is it better to work for a man or a woman? Mm-hmm. Who likes, who likes working for men better? Apparently a lot of people. But uh, David Mame in January 2011 in Social Science Research 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 cited several studies that found basically men's competence as leaders is assumed. It's assumed that if you're a man, you're a leader, you deserve to be there, you're competent. Just as women's incompetence is pretty much assumed. So female supervisors and male supervisors are evaluated in our minds as workers differently. Yeah, because until we, and I think this would, I would, I would like to see this on an industry by industry basis, mm-hmm. because if you take a more pink collar industry, I wonder if those kind of gender biases are as prevalent as if you look at it and say, uh, let's talk about Wall Street, you know, where, yeah, there are fewer women and especially fewer women in positions of like the sea level power, whether or not those ideas are more prom- like prevalent that uh, men are inherently competent and women, if they are in power, they've had to fight their way there. So it's constantly, you know, it's just this constant struggle. Yeah. Well, there's also, they point out, or he, David, Mr. David Mame points out, there's this conflict again, because there's incongruity, he says, between their lower status as women and their higher status as leaders. So, like, you know, ingrained social perceptions of your proper place and how when that's turned on their head, it's like, oh, well, but you're a woman. You're not supposed to be telling me what to do. Yeah, and I also, uh, I, I do get frustrated with hearing that um, in the arguments for why it's better to work for a man, um, you know, like, men are less threatened and they're less emotional and they just have more power because that's only ladies, women, Men, any, who, 
That is, mm, no, everyone. no, that is, that's doing everybody, um, a, a disservice because when, when you eliminate the queen bee syndrome and you actively like mentor the women and you bring women into your organization, uh, it is better for, it is better for everybody. Yeah. And just in case, I think the dollars can speak louder than words since we're talking about the workplace after all. Uh, one thing that that catalyst study found was that those who took an active role, these, these bosses they were looking at, these mid-level bosses who took an active role in developing others, men or women in their organizations, saw a $25,000 difference in additional compensation. So if you help other people out, then you're helping yourself. Yeah. At the end of the day. Now, Susanna Breslin, in a column for Forbes uh, way back in June 2012, had some advice for working for a female boss. And she basically says, like, can we just go to work? Like, can we just can we just work and not have to be BFFs because we're female ladies, people, humans? Can we just do our jobs? Well, she was also the author of the column, Why I'd Rather Work for a Man yeah. Than a Woman. Uh, you know, and, and I get what she's saying, like, in terms of let her wear the pants. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Let's just do our jobs. We don't, like you said, we don't have to be BFF. Um, and don't play to her weaknesses, though. Uh, she says the single best way to climb up the ranks to get the queen bee who replaced the alpha male in the corner office to promote, mentor, and reward you is to make yourself indispensable to her. You can interchange like whatever pronoun you want, though. If you mm-hmm. want to do well at work, you make yourself indispensable. It doesn't matter who is giving you, like, cutting your check. Yeah. Do I sound angry? I feel like I sound angry. I feel like I sound like a queen bee. <laughs> Right now. No, you sound like a podcaster who has a point. I guess I just get, um, I get frustrated with these. These are very real issues that I have experienced in the workplace. I understand that they happen, but, uh, I still don't, I don't know. It's, there comes a point when just saying, like, when categorizing all female bosses as one thing, you know, that's not, what's that doing for anybody? Yeah. Well, she also brings up, Sisterhood, which was a word that came up a lot when we were reading stuff about the femphobia. She says, if the sisterhood and women supporting each other is supposed to be the path to women getting ahead, how come decades of telling women to do it isn't working? You're a woman making less than your male peer. Maybe that's because you're trying to be everybody's friend. And as a consequence, nobody sees you as a serious competitor. Or maybe you should reinterpret your idea of sisterhood and use that as a way to find a mentor, a female mentor or a male mentor, it doesn't really matter, to then work your way up. Because the old boys club is a saying for a reason. Guys have been going out for scotch and cigars and wheeling and dealing after, you know, nine to five hours for a long time. So women just do it too. Yeah. Well, I don't think, I don't know, maybe her perception that she has here that maybe she's experienced in previous workplaces is that, you know, girls are getting together and just giggling and talking about the boys and stuff like that. But I think it's a shame to totally dismiss women getting together and helping each other. Right. Because I think that we can acknowledge that there are perhaps differences in the ways that uh, men and women tend to socialize. Like myself, I'm not a very workplace social 
person. That's not where my, uh, that's not where I get my chuckles. <laughs> but, um, I, you know, telling, telling women that in order to succeed, you have to just be like a man only reinforces at the end of the day, Queen Bee syndrome, does it not? That's why I sound like I'm like pulling my hair out. And not only does it seem to feed this mythology of Queen Bee syndrome, but there's also a touch of female misogyny and femphobia in saying, like, I don't want to be your BFF, sisterhood of the traveling what? You know, like, (laughs) like, why, why so, why so down on, on being a gal? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. This this is so very related to our Femphobia podcast. And it's funny because on, on TVTropes.org, uh, it's a great website. They talk about the female misogynist character or just figure. And, you know, they're acting like guys. Uh, some go so far as being almost considered guys. They're portrayed as feminists, but they actually hate all things women, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're like the, the, the bro girls who, you know, they're the honorary dudes because they're so cool and they don't, and then they don't have female friends. Um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is the extremely conservative housewife who thinks that women are just simply inferior to men that should be, there should be some subservience there as well. And some people have, uh, have called out, I don't want to get political, but some people such as Audrey Beardsley over the Daily Cause have cited conservative female politicians as examples of queen bees who are not advocating for things like reproductive rights and expanded health care um, and expanded benefits for single mothers and closing the gender wage gap uh, as because they don't they don't want other women to to get ahead. Now I don't know that's that's a big statement to make. But um, but I, I but I think it's a compelling one. But yeah, it is interesting to take the queen bee stereotype and and look at look outside of the workplace, mm-hmm. look at female politicians, look at you know just women on the street or characters on a TV show, things like that, because that those stereotypes and those viewpoints are uh, very prevalent. Yeah, and also like uh, my closing question with all of this is. Don't dudes do this too? Do what? I don't like. Don't guys get on a power trip as well? We say alpha male for a reason. Yeah. Well, no. That that goes back to all the stuff we were talking about with it being more socially acceptable for a guy to be tough mm-hmm. instead of a woman. Yeah, and maybe one of the reason why we're still seeing with all of these studies uh, reports of people preferring to work under a man than a woman is because like we have all of this stuff stirring around in our brain of like how we're going to be perceived and you know what we need to do to maintain our power and oh but don't be too powerful you don't want to come off as a queen bee and maybe it's just mucking things up in a way where we should just be confident and be indispensable yeah rely i mean rely on your skills i've worked for women and men i've worked for an amazing uh lady supervisor who knew her stuff you know she wasn't there to boss you around or anything or make you feel bad about yourself she just knew her stuff and was a great supervisor i've worked for another woman who did abuse her power and did use it to actually make people feel really bad about themselves Mm -hmm. but i mean it's all just (laughs) 
kind of luck of the draw if you get a good boss, regardless of that person's gender. Yeah, and I can I can definitely understand a generational aspect of something akin to queen bee syndrome of those those early female pioneers in the workplace who did have to uh you know go tooth and nail to get where they are and we are as younger women we do enjoy some privilege from that but i think it's time for us to buzz away <laughs> from the queen bee syndrome conversation and let's maybe focus on our work or maybe i'm being too flip about it i really do want to hear from from listeners out there um am i just in podcast la la land or does it seem like the queen bee syndrome needs to die i think it needs to die i think it's one thing to have a uh, like a terrible boss right. who, who happens to be a woman i don't think we need to have this idea of a queen bee syndrome that applies to somehow applies to all female leaders you know in positions of power mhm I agree. Uh, but let us know your thoughts. Uh, any women in power out there, too? If we've got some managerial level ladies out there. I or, will... or if Hillary Clinton is listening, can you tell us how your situation's going? Just text us. Just text us. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to know if, you, if, if you're in a managerial position as a woman, if you feel those kinds of negative stereotypes. Let us know, momstuff at discovery.com, or you can head over to our Facebook and leave a comment there. Now, before we head into listener letters, just a quick word to let you know that this episode of Stuff Mom Never Told You is brought to you by Jack Threads. Uh, Jack Threads has quickly become the online shopping destination for dudes, and I know that there are dudes out there listening, so if you are in need of some awesome new clothing for the colder months, head on over to jackthreads.com slash mom so they know that we will have sent you. And there you will find everything on the site up to 80% off. Uh, you will find contemporary and street apparel, accessories, and gadgets from brands like Converse, Penguin, and Busted Tees. And even if you are not a dude and you are listening, listen, the holidays are coming up. Go ahead and find some cool stuff for the fellows in your life just head over to jackthreads.com slash mom save up to 80% off of those clothes because as Jack Threads likes to say full prices for suckers now back to our listener letters we've got a couple emails here about our episode on NFL football watching Hmm. among women's Uh, so I got one here from Pete And he said, I'm a lifelong Seahawks fan, and I won't comment about the call you guys referenced in your program. However, I will say, many of the women in my life are NFL fans. You talked about how the NFL and many men don't necessarily call women fans. They don't expect that women understand and know the game, and they think that women will be more interested in fashion or the snacks. I'm interested in snacks, always. The women I know would eat these people as their game snacks. They know their stats. They scream at the TV. They would kill referees for bad calls. They don't buy a jersey to wear it because it has pink. They buy it because it's a jersey that represents their team. I bet there are a lot of women like the women I know. I think painting things pink isn't necessarily the best way to reach out to women. I love the fact that women in my life are NFL fans. As a Seahawks fan, I wish they weren't mostly Oakland Raiders fans. Well, you know, you can't have it all, Pete. Or maybe you can have it all. That's for another podcast. 
This is an email from Abby, same topic, NFL fans. She has an opinion, ladies and gentlemen. She says, while I won't touch the pink jersey topic with a 10-foot pole, because flames, flames on the side of my face, I will talk on my experience as a lady fan. She says, I'm born and raised a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Football every Sunday, and yes, I have the perfect taco dip recipe that gets passed through my family. I have tons of gear and love wearing my jerseys around Midwest Ohio. It gets a lot of random attention that usually boils down to, oh, you're a girl and don't know any better, and a sympathetic look. Last winter, I was sporting my favorite Chiefs jacket. It's down, crisp white, an arrowhead on the front, and Chiefs emblazoned on the back. I was pumping gas one evening, minding my own business, and the man at the other pump called out to me. He asked, that's a Chiefs jacket? I responded with a big smile and confirmed that it was. His response was, so... You just like the design of the jacket, right? You know ladies aren't really football fans, let alone such an odd team. The smile faded from my face. It is one of those life moments where you think to yourself, is this conversation really happening? I told the man that I was, in fact, a rabid Chiefs fan and felt the need to start stat dumping to back the position up. No one questions a man in a Dolphins jacket in this town, but a 20-something woman in a Chiefs jacket is just in it for the fashion? Also, why just ask a stranger something like that? So, yeah, I don't know, man. I, I believe you're a football fan. You like the jacket. That guy was not his business. So, thank you, Abby. Speaking of jackets, I did think when I was a kid that starter jackets, the football starter jackets were super cool. Mm-hmm. But I never got one. Maybe I can live the dream now. All good, right. Good story. Thanks. I'll tell it again sometime. <laughs> Momstuff at Discovery.com is where you can send your emails. Uh, and you can also head over to Facebook, of course. Tweet us at Momstuff Podcast. And follow us on Tumblr, StuffMomNeverToldYou.tumblr.com. And if you would like to get smarter during the week, head over to our website. It's HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 